Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. For many, Tuesday's Champions League semi-final was a contest between the two strongest teams in Europe. And for many, Dortmund's Jude Bellingham walks into both squads. So where does his future lie? And what's best for the 19-year-old English sensation? I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Right, we've got quite a lineup for this one. So joining us are the German football writer Rafa Honigstein, the Real Madrid correspondent Guillermo Rai, and the Manchester City writer Sam Lee. Sam, Guillermo, I'm guessing you were both there last night. Um, what was it like, Sam? I thought it was a better game than last season, but without the drama, obviously. Really good atmosphere the whole way through. Madrid had much more of a threat last year. I thought City did quite well to ride out all the possible storms that you get at the Bernabeu. Yeah, it was a good game. Guillermo, did you hear the name Jude Bellingham mentioned at all? <laughs> yeah, always, always is there at the Bernabeu stands. Yeah, the atmosphere, as uh, Sam said, it was amazing. I think it was the best night uh, of the season. Uh, people know that the Champions League is a different tournament. Uh, Real Madrid is the tournament, and that's why yesterday it was, you know, it was the night. It certainly was. Um, let's get into the story then around Jude Bellingham because there's been lots written about him. Over the last few years, to be fair, there's going to be tons more over the next few weeks, I'm sure. Um, in terms of Real Madrid's interest, Guillermo, I understand that the Spanish media was full of reports about this being a done deal. It's not quite that, is it? Yeah, not only the Spanish media, even international media, I think uh, they report that it was almost a done deal. But from the very first moment, it was, it was a very difficult operation. They said, be prudent, don't say something that it hasn't happened yet. Maybe soon it can happen. If you know a bit Real Madrid, it's a big club and there are a lot of sources around the club. And sometimes the big sources are very optimistic and the sources who are on the negotiations, who control the operation are more prudent and want to, to take care of that. What does Dortmund make of this, Rafa? What, what are they doing, sort of sat back listening to all these reports and claims and counterclaims? They're waiting for somebody to pick the phone up and tell them, look, we we want Jude. Uh, we feel that he wants to go to us. Uh, what are we talking about? Of course, there are always negotiations before the negotiations happen. Uh, there's positioning that people are saying, what would it take? What would we be able to spend? And you saw some of that, and Guillermo can talk about this, in the Spanish press where Real Madrid are setting the scene saying, we won't do any crazy things. We won't spend crazy money. Mm -hmm. He wants to come to us, but you know, we're not sure we can meet Dortmund's demand. So uh, they, they play this game where it's like, yeah, you might have your valuation, but our valuation is different. Uh, can we meet? Uh, let's see. I still think that if indeed Real Madrid have a very strong sense of intention from Bellingham that he wants to go, if they can make this happen, then Dortmund will ultimately not stand in the way and be unreasonable. I think there will be a framework uh, in terms of the numbers where they can both feel that they've done what they needed to do 
because next season things could be very different. He's only got one year left on his contract. I think Dortmund are quite keen to do this uh, this year, but they will do it without feeling that they're getting taken advantage of. That's very important to them. How similar is this situation, Raf, to Erling Haaland this time last year? It's not really similar at all, actually, because Erling Haaland had had a release clause. Um, something quite funny happened, which we found out later, that the release clause was actually lower than the release clause that was publicly reported. I think there was an idea that uh, somebody might make a little bit of extra money, uh, quoting a bit more money than was actually necessary for Dortmund to release the player. No, the situation is different in that respect. Dortmund will, will do a deal, but they won't do a deal at all costs. They can still control the situation to a degree that was never there with Haaland. Haaland could do whatever he wanted. And all that Dortmund could do is try to force him to make a decision quite early. But uh, yeah, this is this is a different scenario. Is this different for City as well, Sam? Uh, yeah, seemingly. They were all over Haaland. There's... Obviously, the newsline that we've got, the, the the kind of the view that City are putting out as well behind the scenes that they've not made any approach to to Bellingham or or to Dortmund. Not we didn't want him anyway, kind of thing. But you know that normal kind of club briefing that comes out from all from well from many clubs if they don't get a big transfer target. But I mean that's only my reading of it. You know we've we've previously reported that it was between City and Real Madrid. It's it's obviously different because you just not like City going to get him. But in terms of the element of not having a release clause, maybe um, maybe that's a difference. Because, you know, for City, it was very easy. They knew what they were going to pay. Even if, you know, the, the amounts were different in the end, they, they knew they were going to have to pay a certain amount and they just had to work on the negotiation. But working on the negotiation with the player is one thing. But then working with a club who really want, you know, a king's ransom. That, that is different. So yeah, there's, there's similarities, but there's also key differences as well. But I guess the biggest difference is it doesn't look like they're going to get him, whereas they obviously did with Haaland. Guillermo, I'm fascinated by how the messaging from Real Madrid has changed over the last uh, few months. Uh, they used to be very cautious, saying, well, not really for us, not sure. Do you sense that everything changed the moment that Liverpool kind of officially pulled out, that Real Madrid suddenly became a lot more confident and also the messaging has changed? Of course, of course. Uh, two months ago, Mario and me were talking to an important member of the board. And what he was trying to explain us, it was something like, it's really similar to Haaland's case. And at that moment, Mario said to me, like, listen, but don't listen a lot because I feel like it's not the same. And now that we know that Liverpool is out of the race, what we heard is that the message from the club has completely changed. First, it was something like, it's impossible. We cannot compete with Premier League teams. Then it was something like, well, it's very, very difficult, but we can make it. And now it's, it's not done, but it could be done soon. So the message has been changing. I know that uh, Kylian Mbappé's case last year has affected the policy around Real Madrid because maybe they could be more open to talk about this operation, but they want to be prudent. They don't want to commit mistakes again, to make mistakes. Mistakes, And sometimes I feel like you cannot take anything for granted until the deal from three parts, from the three parts are done. And in this case, I really think that at, at the club, they say that they feel and they know that the, the player wants to join Real Madrid now. 
but is there is nothing agreed with Borussia Dortmund. Even that we know that uh, Real Madrid CEO Jose Angel and, and the Borussia Dortmund CEO are good friends, also Florentino, they have a great relationship and the negotiation wouldn't be a huge problem, but there is a, a, an important point here that we haven't discussed a lot is the price. Dortmund want, the, the, doesn't want to give Bellingham as a present and Real Madrid also has have a strong policy on, on signings and they don't want to spend 150 if it's 150. They will, they will try to push Borussia Dortmund. And we are talking maybe on a gap between 20 or 30 million euros and it's not a, a bargain. What do they want, Rafa Dortmund? Well, 150 is the sum that they have mentioned again and again and again. But euros? Million euros? Yes, euros, yeah. yes. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will only sell for 150. I think um, they are also realistic about the market. They understand Real Madrid's policy. They understand that Real Madrid uh, are run in recent years very, very prudently in terms of what they do and don't do. But I think the fact that these only 19 will make this negotiation easier. Why? Because you can, A, give them a pretty long contract so you'll spread out the cost of the uh, transfer fee over those years, which will make it much easier uh, financially in terms of the accounting. But you can also, in my view, come up with a mechanism where, okay, it might only be 100 million euros now, but every year he stays, you could have very easy bonuses. You know, Real Madrid reaching the Champions League, Real Madrid, I don't know, he, him playing 20 games a season. And then every year, you know, another 5 million, another 6 million, maybe another 10 million. And then suddenly you get to a number that Dortmund uh, as a PLC, you know, as a company run with stocks and they have to talk to the stock market, can sell and also remedy it internally will feel, well, we didn't pay over the odds. Sam, from City's perspective, they've been very open in recent years about not wanting to get into bidding wars and trying to position themselves to do deals with, with little drama. Is that the case here with Bellingham or do you think there's something deeper in the sort of the appetite for bringing in this particular type of player this summer. You've written about it, of course, on The Athletic. Yeah, they're definitely like release clause FC. It, it, if, they can re- if they can reduce the drama as much as possible in transfers, having had their fingers burnt a lot over the years, um, with like valuations changing at the last minute or you know bigger demands being, being made, if they can sign a player with a release clause, that is perfect for them. And I suppose the next best thing is a player whose contract is running out, so they've got the leverage. If there's no real leverage, it becomes harder and they generally try to avoid it. But in this case, you know, despite kind of recent developments, we've reported previously, and I believe that they were in the race. If we're talking about appetite to get the deal done, maybe not sure Bellingham was quite as keen on coming to City as City were keen on getting Bellingham to come to them. Um, But in terms of the type of player... Uh, and again, I don't want this to look like I'm doing that. We didn't want him anyway kind of thing as the City correspondent. But I, yeah, I did write this before. In terms of where he fits in, basically, my fundamental view would have been if he had signed, or maybe if he does still sign in some weird world, that it would work out. He's obviously a great player. Guardiola would find a way to make it work. But it doesn't make a massive amount of sense immediately. And I could have imagined a scenario in the summer where everyone in the media was saying, oh, but City have signed Bellingham, you know, they're going to be unstoppable. They're going to do this, they're going to do that. Here's City's best 11, blah, blah, blah. And it's like Rodri, De Bruyne, Bellingham, all this kind of stuff. Can anyone stop them? But there's just no way that Guardiola would have played like that. 
And to try and be brief about it, the way Guardiola sets his teams up, there's two types of player in terms of how he sets his team up. There's the more direct players like De Bruyne and Haaland um, and Foden as well and Julian Alvarez. Forward thinking, they'll they'll try and look for dribbles and passes between the lines, get the ball forward, get the team moving, create a bit of a spark. And there's other players, the players with Pauser, as Guardiola likes to call it, who will put their foot on the ball, slow the tempo down. They'll know when to speed it up, but they'll know when to slow it down. And in big games like Real Madrid away, for example, Bayern Munich away, you know, big Premier League games away as well, he really loves that because it reduces the the counter-attack of the opposition team because it helps get all the team together. And these types of players are Grealish, Mares, Rodri, Bernardo Silva and Gundogan. Now, Gundogan's probably going to leave this summer. There's a decent chance that Bernardo Silva leaves. Bellingham is neither of those players. He is not that type of player to put his foot on the board and slow it down. He's going to speed the game up as well. And the four that I mentioned in terms of the ones who speed it up, Foden and Alvarez, there are not many times at all this season where you've seen a Manchester City team with De Bruyne and Haaland and then one of the others in it as well. Guardiola likes to surround them with those powers of players to slow things down and regulate the speed. That's just how he's always done it. Now, to lose two of the best kind of speed controllers in their team and replace them with a more of a De Bruyne type midfielder, he's not exactly the same type of player as De Bruyne, but he's that kind of type, it doesn't make sense. Now, it would have worked down the line. Maybe he he would have had to say, okay, I'm not going to play much this year, but then next season, once De Bruyne is getting older, I'm going to come in. But, I mean, Foden's found it difficult enough to get into the team while he finds this blend um, and, you know, adds the different gears to his game. So, yeah, from that point of view, it, it didn't really make sense in terms of how Guardiola wants to play. How would um, Bellingham fit into the Real Madrid team? Uh, a Madrid team that has re-signed Tony Kroos, that has still Valverde. I think Modric is still going to be there next year. Camaviga and Chormini. That's quite a lot of competition. Yeah, yesterday I was talking to Paul Bayus and Alvaro de Grado, who share the same opinion as uh, Sam. Like uh, Man City uh, weren't the best team now for Bellingham. And it strikes me because I, I really felt Man City was a better place to be for Bellingham than Real Madrid because of that, because of the renewables. Now we know that Modric and Tony Kroos will continue next year. Uh, Suamini, Camavinga are there as well, Fede Valverde, and we will know in one month if Ceballos will continue. So six midfielders, at least, at Real Madrid, and then Bellingham, seven. I, I know that Real Madrid, if, if they talk about Bellingham and every top player that they is a target, they say that is if they know that he's the best, they will sign him. Doesn't matter the status of the team or, or how how they are the, the renewables. But in this case, it feels like uh, Jude Bellingham, if if he find, ends up uh, at Real Madrid, he could be a starter. It depends mostly on the veterans, on Modric and Kroos. Maybe next year is a year of transition. We haven't seen that in all these last years. They keep fighting. They keep fighting for a spot. They they don't they don't lose the spot. And Ancelotti really loves them. So I think that if Bellingham came, it will meet the end basically of uh, Kroos and Modric. I know it's, it sounds strong, but it's, it's the end of the transition. Juni Calafat, who is uh, the head of scouting of Real Madrid, uh, has worked on it for several years. He brought in two years ago Camavinga, 
uh, last year he brought uh, so many, and it was all based on, on this. They know that uh, Modric and Kroos uh, were older and older, they were magnificent, but they, they will re retire at some point, and they wanted to, to make a stronger midfield to keep going, and that's why they are looking for now Bellingham. So even that there are six, seven midfielders, Bellingham will have a spot. Rafa, we got a true sense of who this player is, do you think? Because he is only 19 years old. He's played at Dortmund for the majority of his senior career with different managers in, in sort of slightly different ways, broadly similar, but different ways in terms of what each manager brings to a, a team and a tactical setup. But if he was to go to somewhere like City and work under Pep Guardiola, he can be anything, can't he? He is still developing. He's still learning. He's still becoming a more experienced player, rounded player. But I think he's best when he can be that all-action type English midfielder between the boxes. I think you would it'd be a waste telling him to sit in front of a back four. I think he's not necessarily a player who wants to be in smaller spaces uh, as a number 10, which is why Dortmund has been most effective as a left-sided uh, number 8. One guy behind him, one guy next to him. That's the perfect position. He has more freedom to go forward. In a two midfield, it would already be a lot more complicated. Um Ram did play a 4-3-3 of sorts, so in that respect, he would fit in quite well. Um, even though it doesn't quite look on it, I guess you could say that City have a 4-3-3 of sorts most of the time. So I can see where on paper he would fit in. But in terms of the demands, I think it's going to be quite different. And uh, it's going to be interesting because he would definitely have to, either way, at either club, adjust to a team that has more possession that Dortmund have and will play a lot less on transition because by definition, when you're at Real Madrid uh, and, or at City, you won't have many situations where there's massive spaces ahead of you and you're counter-attacking. Maybe once you want it up, two and up, yes. But in open play, um, it's more about controlling the ball, controlling the position. And that's something he hasn't really done before because the Dortmund team, they had some elements of possession football but it's not really their game so yeah he will have to develop he'll have to grow but I think people believe that he's still so young and so smart that he can still become a much better player okay well a transfer saga of this magnitude of course means that David Ornstein is never far away and we've asked him for a flavor of what Bellingham will be thinking when making this decision In terms of the potential challenge for him, I think there would be similar excitement. Of course, some nerves, but total belief in his ability to succeed there. As Jude Bellingham's career has shown to date, he's brave, he's courageous, he's prepared to take the leap, and he backs himself to succeed. So the, the summer that I decided to stay at Birmingham, you know, I spoke with some teams and. Um, there was a possibility that I could um, move somewhere else and, you know, I'm so glad that I had the right people around me. He's got a really strong setup around him in terms of his family and his father, Mark, in particular, who represents him, has run a really steady ship. They don't seem to be phased by anything that comes their way. He's an old head on young shoulders. He's got maturity beyond his years. And yeah, this would be a huge test and task at one of the biggest, most historic, storied, successful clubs 
on the planet. The biggest takeaway from all that from me, um, you know, you've got kids my age who, you know, probably made the wrong decision in terms of transfers because they had people around them that didn't have their best interests at heart and, you know, wanted things that didn't align with their dreams. And my dreams was always to be a professional footballer and to try and play at the highest level. Pretty much ever since Jude Bellingham moved from Birmingham City to Borussia Dortmund, there has been speculation about if, when, where he may at some point return to English football. Let's not forget that even prior to that switch, there was massive interest from the likes of Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal at a young age, and many others. They're clubs in his home country. They've got greater financial resource than many counterparts on the continent. Their admiration will only have grown in the intervening period as his stock has risen. That's testament to his performances for club and country. He's just 19 years old and appears to have the world at his feet. And it's in from Bellingham. What a moment for the 19-year-old. Then you have Manchester City whose pursuit has been well documented. They are exploring it or have been. We reported on The Athletic over the weekend that contrary to some suggestions elsewhere, they're not thought to have made offers to Borussia Dortmund or the Bellingham camp or suggested a higher salary than Real Madrid. So we need to be a bit careful and respectful of the sensitivities around some of these things. But definitely there is concrete interest from City and you presume there would continue to be from all of those other clubs, given their stature and his standing. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to his desire and preference, only he and those closest to him know the truth. And they're very private. To my knowledge, they don't leak stuff to the media. And it can also change. For example, when I was at the World Cup in Qatar, there seemed to be a sentiment around the England camp, perhaps this had emanated from some of the players that Bellingham was leaning towards a move to the Premier League for his next step. And that was now his preference. Fast forward to the current day, and it seems that Real Madrid are in the driving seat. We don't truly know when that feeling is starting to generate. And again, only he does. It might just have to wait, whether that means moving to Real Madrid now or staying at Borussia Dortmund. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, we're going to play a little game now then. Um, we're going to pitch... The next move to Jude Bellingham. Raf, you're the neutral observer here, I think. <laughs> um, where would you push Bellingham towards and what would be the reasons for it? I would push him to Man City. Um, I would say Jude 
Yes, it's going to be different for you, but you're going to learn. Pep makes every player better. Pep is going to stick around. You don't know what the situation at Madrid is. You don't know who the next manager might be. You don't know how the veterans will like it if the new young 19-year-old arrives in the dressing room and suddenly has to play because he's 120 million euros worth of, of money that Real Madrid have invested. Yes, you will win trophies, but you've got the same chance at Man City plus the Pep Guardiola factor come to Man City. That's a rueful smile, Guillermo. Yeah, I, 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 will, I wouldn't say the same, obviously. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that... Uh, as far as I know, this uh, young man is, is a bit nostalgic and he believes in all football and he believes in Real Madrid. So probably, no matter the veterans, he knows that he can grow there, as Camavinga has done. So probably I, I will push him to, to move to, to Real Madrid to become a leader because uh, he knows that he can be a leader and it's important to know because sometimes it feels like Real Madrid don't allow young players to be leaders but you can see now Vinicius you can see Camavinga they are less than 22 years old or 22 years old and they are already the, the veterans almost so I think that it, it could be a great opportunity not only economic wise I think economic wise I, I give the chance to, to Man City obviously but sports wise Sam Jude's wavering after listening to those two your turn yeah well, I mean Poor old Real Madrid, they really can't compete economically, can they? <laughs> uh, to, I mean, to, to be honest, I don't, I don't have too much to add to what Rafa was saying and, and also what Guillermo says. Like, yeah, it's Real, it's Real Madrid. Like All the things I could say about Manchester City, like you, you're going to play well, you're going to win trophies. It's like, okay, Real Madrid can, start, can come in afterwards and go, yeah, you can do that with us. So it's difficult because all the, all the times you, you have these kind of conversations, you know, pitched to hypothetical players come to Manchester City it's always you know you've got basically as close to a guarantee of winning the trophy as you're going to get in football and as Rafa says Guardiola improves players he really elevates them to, to different levels um, but Real Madrid players play well and okay they're not going to win the Spanish League this year but they can say well we've got 14 Champions Leagues we win it all the time still won like, a trophy this week as well to be fair yeah yeah exactly in, in terms of a sporting project you can never say that City is out of it. City Sporting Project is absolutely fantastic. Um, but just because of the size and the scale of Real Madrid, maybe theirs is equal. Uh, and in this case, I just think Bellingham, yeah, he, he just likes the idea more of playing for, for Real Madrid now um, than other players do. Both pitches are incredibly strong. Um, both financial pitches would be very strong as well. Yeah, I'm sure they would be. I mean, the other factor here, Sam, would you want to walk in as potentially the most expensive player in Manchester City's history after... They've just won a treble. What, what? Would he be Real Madrid's most expensive player ever as well? Mm, don't think so. Don't think so. Right. After after Hazard, <laughs> unfortunately, it's difficult. Hazard was about 100 million though, right? With the famous um, variables, the add-ons, I think okay. it, it, it has escalated to maybe 140. I know that it's difficult to overcome Hazard's price. Okay. But even so, going to Real Madrid with that kind of price tag, um, that's huge as well. Um, but also, either way, re regardless of that, I think players are that rel relish that kind of thing. Um, it, it doesn't strike me that Bellingham would be especially weighed down by that. I think, you know, with Jack Grealish, he's, he's kind of said it was tougher than he thought and maybe 
Um, in terms of the expectation there, that was something for him to get used to. But I think Bellingham would, I don't think it would bother him in the same way if he was the most expensive signing for anyone. There's one more argument for Real Madrid, which we haven't mentioned yet. I think moving to Real Madrid leaves open the possibilities of going to a Premier League club afterwards. Okay. Because if you go to City, it's going to be very hard to go from City to Liverpool or from City to Man United. If you spend five, six years at Real Madrid and then feel, okay, the time is right now. Uh, maybe I have one or two clubs I really dream about or feel very strongly about in England. That would be an opportunity to do that still. That'd be quite a turnaround, that, Rafa, as well, wouldn't it? Because usually it'd be making the Premier League move so you can still keep your Real Madrid options open in the past, wouldn't it? Like Cristiano Ronaldo and others. Yeah, but I think with your English, it's different. If your English is that, I think you probably, I, I mean, I don't know, but I think somewhere in the back of his mind, I'm sure, is the idea that once you've done everything you can do with Real Madrid and there's a big chance that you would achieve everything there is to achieve at Real Madrid, then the next big thing would be to win the Premier League and to come back and you know conquer your own uh, your own home country. So I think that opportunity still exists with the Real Madrid move. Has that ever happened? A, a top player leaving Real Madrid still presumably at their peak? It's either an Angel Di Maria, Mesut Ozil situation where they don't really want them anymore, or like a Casemiro situation where he's given the best years. I can't imagine a player that Madrid would still like to keep ever leaving. Obviously, it could do in this case, especially with the English factor and if he gets towards the end of his contract, but it just feels like if he's going to Real Madrid, he's, he's never he's never leaving, not until he's like 33 or something anyway. If you ask the Real Madrid board, uh, and we can look back at the Cristiano's when he left Real Madrid, Real Madrid board take uh, so much into account the depreciation of the players. And when they sell the players, they feel that they will start decreasing their value and their price. And that's why Casemiro left last year, because they knew that they, were, we, they weren't they were going to get more money from Casemiro the next year. So probably in this case, with it, it will be difficult, to be honest. Guillermo, how big, a, how big a coup, how big a statement would this signing be for Real Madrid? Because he is essentially probably the most sought-after player in this summer transfer window, Jude Bellingham. And for Real Madrid to get that player, to beat off the interest of the Premier League, which has been a difficult factor in recent years, they still signed some hugely talented football players. But to get the one, what would that mean for Real? Well, it could mean this time is the Premier League against Real Madrid. Last year was a PSG against Real Madrid, but it would mean uh, the second episode of this fight between the club sound by states, as Real Madrid uh, always refers, with a big difference that is that in this case, Man City and Real Madrid share a good relationship. So it's not as, as hard as, for example, last year with Suameni. Last year with Aurelian Suameni, the signing of Suameni, suppose it was something, it was really meaningful because Real Madrid wanted to make a statement there. We can fight them. We can we can try to battle them. In this case, it could mean also that they battle the Premier League and the the financial power of the Premier League. But it could mean also that they are fighting against the uh, clubs owned by the state. So yeah, it 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 is a big statement. And in terms of the manager, this is another aspect that we've not talked about. Um, Sam, is there any doubt that that Pep Guardiola would be Jude Bellingham's manager for several seasons if he moved to City? Yeah, that that is a good point. You know, maybe he'll do another two seasons, and then yeah, beyond that, that's the kind of that is the great unknown, I suppose. 
the flip side of not knowing what's going to happen with Ancelotti next season is okay. You might know what you know. Pep's going to stay most likely, um, but then after that, Real Madrid are probably going to keep doing what they do. Probably okay. You know they have had periods where they've replaced managers in recent years, and they've had fallow periods. And obviously Zidane brought that back around. But it's always like Real Madrid is always there, no matter what. Now Manchester City, pre Guardiola, okay, they won a, they won a couple of Premier Leagues, but they're nothing like the level that they're at now. And for me, the massive um, determining factor in City's success, more than you know, money and players, is is Guardiola. And when he goes. That is a great unknown. So yeah, if, if Bellingham's factoring in, okay, how does this look after two years? Then that's something else that possibly counts against City. Um, because look, he's, he's done seven years already. He signed that new contract in November, December. I, I don't know how much longer he'll stay. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's definitely an unknown. And how big are the doubts, Guillermo, even over Carlo Ancelotti being there next season? There's sort of reports that it's increasingly likely that he'll stay for next year at, at the Bernabeu, but Longer term, there's huge question marks over that as well, isn't there? I I don't feel I don't really feel that it's a big uh, point here in this operation because Real Madrid always uh, sign players and it's not the the coach decision. It's a more long term decision and it's not based on the manager or the coach of the season. And even if uh, Carlo stays and he probably has said some something about Bellingham. He's not the, the man who decides. And that's why, mainly, that's why Real Madrid, um, no matter who is on the bench, uh, keep fighting and keep uh, being there on the semifinals of the Champions League. Raf, after half an hour's worth of podcast, just to start rounding this off, any chance he, um, he just stays at Dortmund? Very remote. Good, I'm uh, glad. For that after to happen, half an hour's worth of podcast. For that to happen... <laughs> Real Madrid and Dortmund would have to be so far away from each other in terms of the valuation that Dortmund would say, no, we, we can't do it. But I, I don't see that happening. I think the most likely outcome is that there will be an agreement at some point uh, for the reasons we mentioned. And then um, we'll see him in a white shirt. So, Guillermo? Well, I still feel like everything can turn out and the player could end up at City. I, I, I don't want to say 100% that he will be a Real Madrid player next season, but all signals make us understand that he will be he will be here. Sam, you agree, don't you? Well, yeah, that's that's what the signs the signs suggest of you. In terms of, we talked about Real Madrid's messaging changing. So, you know, City never really had a message early on. And now the message is, we never made an offer to him or the club. So you think, okay, well, if that's the message, then it shows which way the wind's blowing. But as you know, in football, you know, it's never done till it's done, and and City, if they if they truly do want him, will 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 keep pushing. If Haaland had decided or leant towards Real Madrid, they would have kept pushing to try and convince him last year. So, and sorry, and just before we go, can I ask one more question on Haaland? Sam, it was almost seen as a given that he would eventually move on from City to Real Madrid, courtesy of a release clause or courtesy to some kind of agreement. Uh, I think you reported that that has changed with Guardiola renewing. Is that the end of the Haaland to Madrid story uh, for the both of you? I don't think so. I think he'll sign a new contract at City. But I think eventually um, the Real Madrid dream will will come into play. I mean, look, maybe if if they they have a struggling period in, in a few years, that when they go through a few different managers, maybe not. But um, I, I, think, I think it's still on the cards. But it's certainly not like, a, oh, he's going to come to City, do two years and then go. 
Um, he may do four. He'll do four years at least. Guillermo? With Erlins, uh, after what uh, his dad did yesterday at the Bernabeus, I don't know if you see that exchange. Yeah. It was it was difficult. I think that uh, every time I see Haaland, I think it's more difficult to see him here. So that would be my my, my statement. Yeah, Haaland's been escorted out of the Bernabeu, hasn't he? And I don't know if another one will be escorted in any time soon. But like I say... Let's keep an eye on it. You never know in football, do you? And let's keep a very close eye to The Athletic on the very latest on Jude Bellingham ahead of this summer. Remember, if you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now for $1.99 a month for a year at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. But for the moment, Sam, Rafa, Guillermo, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening at home. Bye-bye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.